Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Triangles Meditation Group. Today is October 11th, 2021, and we're welcoming to this um, opportunity to work together in the support of Triangles. So as before we begin, let's just take a very brief moment to come together as a group, standing in the center of the Evendarm Cross and sounding the noontime recollection. We know, O Lord of life and love, a need, touch our hearts anew with love, that we too may love and give. As most of you know, we come together each week to strengthen the planetary network by our participation in a meditative visualization. We also serve new members of the group, reaching out to them, helping them to try if they place their name in the chat box, and thus introducing new people to the work. That's the way the Triangles Network grows, and it needs to grow in order to meet the demand at this time for light and love and power which can flow in through the network into the minds and hearts of all humanity. Triangles is a simple visualization technique using the power of thought and prayer to uplift and consciousness. The work involves establishing a daily line of communication between two other people who agree to work with you each day silently, meditatively, linking up soul to soul and visualizing the energies circulating around your triangle. And then you extend that network of three into the global network of triangles. And as we do so, the whole planet is visualized as we see in this illustration and surrounded by a network of lighted triangles. And then the work is closed by sounding with focused intention, the great invocation, a world prayer. So it's quite simple, can be fit into even the busiest of schedules. So we hope that if you are new to this work, you'll consider forming a triangle, or at least going to our website, triangles.org, about our work, or just reaching out in the chat box and two other people on the webinar will hopefully agree to form a triangle with you. So as we do um, each week, we try to have a a presenter, a guest presenter, and today we're fortunate to have Eduardo Gramalia from Argentina, who's a longtime co-worker, longtime student of the Ageless Wisdom, from ancient Greek and other languages um, of many astrological texts and also the author of his own astrological text. And he also teaches Sanskrit and is a musician in Cordoba where he lives in Argentina. So we're always very happy to have Eduardo's wisdom presented here with us. And today he's going to be sharing on Hercules and the gates of Leo, Libra and Scorpio. So we look forward to 
So as we do each week, let's now work with a brief visualization prior to our um, later meditation. So let's visualize the planet as a sphere of lighted energy. And visualize within that sphere a triangle. This is the triangle of the three planetary centers. Shambhala, hierarchy, and humanity. The planetary head, heart, and throat centers. And visualize the energies circulating triangle in all directions, merging and blending the three points, filling the triangles with light. Now superimposed upon that triangle, visualized a five-pointed star of indigo blue. This is the star of the world teacher, linking east and west, past and future, radiating the energies of love wisdom. At each point of the triangle, the sphere of his activity stands an outpost of his consciousness, emanating from the five points to the five planetary centers. London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo. Visualize these outpouring energies, enlivening small groups gathering everywhere, aiding them to focus and direct the energies into the consciousness of all humanity, solving its problems, creating right human relations restoring peace on earth. Projecting a rainbow bridge into the spiritual hierarchy, we sound the mantra. Radiance we are and power. 
we stand forever with our hands stretched out, linking the heavens and the earth, the inner world of meaning and the subtle world of glamour. We reach it and bring it down to meet the need. We reach into the silent place and bring from thence the gift of understanding. Thus with the light we work and turn the darkness into day. Thank you. With the sun's annual passage through Libra, we might want to consider its relationship to Draco, one of the constellations that circles around and stands as a type of gatekeeper for this point, heavens, that great informing center that connects us spiritually with the portal which the ancient peoples believed led to other dimensions of reality. One of Libra's roles in the zodiac is as a powerful synthesizing agent, standing as it does at the hub of the wheel, thereby also providing a portal whereby our zodiac is connect other vaster centers of star systems. And surely the great overshadowing Draco acts as a guiding force in this regard. The relationship between Libra and Draco and our earth works out powerfully and manifests through one of the seven paths faced at the taking of the sixth initiation. The first path, service. This powerful initiation marks a majestic point in the path of return that was mentioned in a quote cited in last week's webinar. This is the time in the evolutionary journey wherein one first places one's feet upon the endless path of which nirvana is just the beginning. This endless path leads, we're told, in seven directions of which this path of Earth's service is the first. This path is governed by Libra, and hence its conditioning potency on our planetary life. All the other six paths lead the seeker to other parts of the solar system at this time in their spiritual development. Those following this path of Earth's service have their, their dharma be to remain here on earth, serving the purpose that is working out here on this planet. The Tibetan gives a few tidbits of information about this path. And he says, the adepts who follow it are called the beneficent dragons. And they're said to be qualified by the energy of wise compassion. And he says that we should the 
meaning of two words was compassion, which at first glance seemed to have a close relationship to the energy of love wisdom, the qualifying energy of the second ray that is working out here. Wisdom and compassion are, however, always linked specifically, it seems, with the Buddha. Perhaps part of the Dharma of the Buddha is related to the adept or following this path of earth service. And this path is perhaps being stepped up at this time by the potency of the Buddha as he moves forward on his path of return in preparation for his work overshadowing the Christ during the externalization. The energy working out upon this path and consequently trickling down to us is said to be the quality of luminosity. And its mantra, you might say, is called, let your light shine forth. This is so interesting in its relationship to the work of triangles, wherein we work collectively each day with our partners to do just that. And we do it within the context of a vast planetary group dead on all levels of consciousness to making the planet a lighted sphere within the system of lives, which are the seven sacred planets. It's interesting to note that this constellation takes the shape of a simple triangle as seen on your screen, perhaps relating it therefore as well to our work. Draco is related, we're told, to the seventh ray. And therefore, this energy has a powerful conditioning factor on those following this path, but also, therefore, on our entire planetary life. We can see, therefore, the potency of this time in which we're living in planetary history when the seventh ray, along with the strong seventh ray coming through the sign of Aquarius, are and the opportunity this brings for alignment to work out the purposes of the Logos through the cooperative efforts of the three planetary centers. Draco is known as the active guardian or protector, and yet it's often associated here on our planet as the devil or Satan perhaps a reference to the dual nature of Saturn as a function of sacred and also a sacred manner. In Libra and in association with this particular path of Earth's service, we can see these dual aspects of the <clears throat> Draco dragon energy working out. For although the adepts who follow this path are known as the beneficent dragons, and their defining quality is one of luminosity, said that they gain this luminosity through a hard-won battle, through a fight with a dragon. A higher con con 
correspondence to that battle which all disciples face when confronting the unredeemed aspects of themselves in the battle between the angel of the presence and the dweller on the threshold. We can link with the potency of those battling on path by pondering their expressed quality of luminosity and their symbol. The symbol for this path is said to be a green dragon issuing from the center of a blazing sun. And behind the sun and overtopping it can be seen two pillars on either side of a closed door. So we see the forces of darkness and of light controlling at all levels of existence. To awaken a sleeping dragon is to awaken a dormant power of tremendous potency and one which works out either for good or ill, depending upon the motive. This awakening on a planetary level is entrusted to those who have invited or been chosen by the Logos to tread path service. All other paths go in directions that lead them far away to serve in other capacities, in other places, in other systems. But in a sense, because this path is working out on our planet, it gives us all the opportunity to know the most about it of all the paths because it is closest to us and we're living within its energy field, its luminosity, its ability to let the light shine forth in like manner that an aspirant starting out on the path of return is working within the energetic field on the far periphery of the spiritual hierarchy. So too, perhaps, are we tapping a fragment of this path of earth service. So let us now work in our meditation, calling upon the strength of the dragon power and the synthesizing nature of to pull through that potent energy, which can serve to awaken those sleeping points of light to the opportunity of this time. So let's work at integrating ourselves, preparing for our work with the affirmation of will, linking in thought as a soul, standing in the center of the cross, as a point of love and light, linking with all people throughout the world who are working with this Triangles Meditation Group. And we project a line of lighted energy towards the center Shambhala and sound together the mantra. In the center of the will of God, I stand. 
naught shall deflect my will from his. I that will by love. I turn towards the field of service. I, the triangle divine, work out that will within the square and serve my fellow men. Using the creative imagination, link with two other points of light to create a triangle of light. Visualize the triangle in which you are working as an essential part of the Radiant Worldwide Triangles Network. And invoke the light of the group soul, the heart of love, to enter into the heart of the network. and project a rainbow bridge towards the Christ at the center of the hierarchy, bringing that energy down into the network as well. Visualize the energies of love, light, and goodwill circulating in and around the triangle's network. Visualize these energies unifying and eliminating all divisions within humanity, healing and transforming human consciousness, establishing right human relationships.
projecting the line of lighted communication towards the hierarchy, we sound together the mantra of unification. The sons of men are one, and I am with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve, and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form and life and all events and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of time. Let vision come and insight. Let the future stand revealed. Let inner union demonstrate and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail. Let all people love. Visualize the whole and angles. See new triangles being formed everywhere. Distribution. Prior to sounding the great invocation, let's pause to consider the work to be done by the words as they're poured out. Acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities and humanity, and as a channel through which light and love and divine purpose may flow into human consciousness. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds, light and on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human will, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore planet on earth.
Thank you, everyone. And now we'd like to welcome Eduardo. Um, Hi, Kathy. Hi. I'm Do you want so to share? You want to yes. share your screen? Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay, I share screen. Oh, thank you for a wonderful introduction. Hello, hello, everyone. <laughs> Uh, let us turn our thoughts once again to Hercules, whom we last time called the greatest hero of all. We are so accustomed to classical mythology that we may not see how unusual it is to have so strong an emphasis on heroes as classical myth has. We uh, see this as we compare Greek, myth Greek mythology with the mythology of other cultures, which do not have nearly so many heroes. Mesopotamian and Egyptian mythology are by and large about the gods. Gilgamesh is a notable exception to that. So one may wonder why such an emphasis on heroes in classical mythology. As we said last time, hero turns out to be a misleading translation of the Greek word heros, or at least the modern understanding of what's implied by the word hero. Hero meant several things, but mainly it referred to a human with one divine parent. And here we have a clue as to why Hercules is looked upon as a symbol of the disciple. A hero is a mediator between the world of the gods and the world of humans. Heroes were meant to bridge the gap between gods and men, just as the disciple mediates between the world of meaning and the outer world of glamour. In this sense, a new light upon the concept of the new group of world servers may emerge, this group mediating between hierarchy and humanity. The sometimes erratic and violent behavior of heroes were meant to highlight that, that both natures, animal and divine, are struggling inside them, and their inner world 
is a battleground of forces which may include some episodes of madness and lack of control as Hercules had. A top-notch hero has to prove his right to be a king, a symbol of their divine nature, finally assuming control. And for that, he has to submit to different kinds of tests. There are a good many heroes in Greek myth whose stories fit a so-called test and quest pattern, the pattern of an adventure story where a young man goes out and performs a set of deeds of valor. These tasks are the symbols of the challenges every disciple faces on the way in order to symbolically slay his own monsters and thus become a true world savior. Each labor brings him a different recognition and gradually fits him to function consciously in the world of souls. The 12 labors Heracles performs are clear examples of this test and quest pattern. He undertakes these tasks, which are characterized both by an increasing degree of difficulty as the labors proceed and by increasing distances that Heracles must travel to perform them. Each one of the labors he undertakes would have been fatal for a normal human being. Hercules, and not without some drawbacks, finally manages to successfully accomplish them all. Now, these 12 labors may be set fall into three clearly recognizable groups. The first five take place in the Peloponnese, the main and central area of Greece, and it includes the labors of Cancer, Leo, Libra, Scorpio, and Sagittarius. The second group takes place a little bit further away from the mainland, and it includes the task performed in all cardinal directions, east, west, north, and south. These are the labors of Aries, Taurus, Virgo, and Aquarius. As we know, the cardinal directions are highly esoteric. And the final three take place in the far west and seem to have to do with issues of death and mortality or immortality. Here we have Gemini, Capricorn, and Pisces. Now, as you see, most Greek sources organize these labors in terms of increasing difficulty and distance. In which order these tasks are given on the path of discipleship, whether following this pattern or according to the order of the zodiacal signs or any other, other I really don't know. And I suppose it depends on individual cases, maybe ray makeup, perhaps. Three labors from the first group are particularly relevant for us today. Leo, Scorpio, and Libra, the sign the sun is now passing through. Hercules must fight animals which have some extraordinary, extraordinary attribute that makes them exceptionally difficult to overcome. According to the sources, first labor of this group was the killing of the Nemean lion. This lion is invulnerable to wounds and its skin cannot be pierced by arrows or sword. 
the cave in which the lion is found has two openings, one leading into a dark corridor and the other into the light of day. Heracles blocks one of the entrances with piles of sticks and then turns to face the beast. He chokes the lion to death with bare hands. In other sources, he claps it to death instead and then uses its own claws to skin it. And after he has skinned the beast, he takes the lion's skin as his cloak, and this becomes his most recognizable attribute and art. Hercule normally carries his club and wears his lion skin cloak, and the cloak is often shown with Heracles's face looking out from between the lion jaws, so the lion's head becomes the hood of his cloak. The second labor performed within the mainland of Greece involves the killing of the Lernaean Hydra. Unlike the others, Hydra was a mythical monster, a snake with nine heads. One head was immortal, which made this creature difficult to slay. To make it even more difficult, whenever Hercules cut off one of the Hydra's heads, two more would grow in its place, so that the more he tried to kill this monster, the more powerful it became. And he eventually realized that using weapons such as a sword and the club only resulted in the Hydra growing stronger. He finally decided to grasp the monster with his bare hands, knelt and raised the Hydra up into the air. The monster, strong in darkness and mud, was exposed to the rays of the sun and lost its power. Hercules then cuts off the immortal head and buries it under a boulder. An Nemean lion symbolizes a powerful personality running wild and devastating the environment. It is said that when an integration of the forces that constitute the personality has been attained, a human being often becomes a difficult and trying person. Hercules is a solar myth, namely, the myth is a narrative which we can in some way relate by analogy with the path of the sun through the heavens. He represents one of those sun gods who are struggling with the problems that, that will draw out the full powers of the soul. The Tibetan gives us highly interesting interpretation of the cave with two entrances. The cave is said to be the symbol of the pituitary body, an endocrine gland closely associated with spiritual awakening. This gland has two lobes symbolizing both openings of the cave, one of which the disciple must close before the higher mind can take control of a personality. He must use the opening which leads into the light. Symbolism of a hydra is no less interesting. Each of the nine heads of the monster represents one of the problems, lower desires, passions, tendencies of the lower mind that beset those on the path. Its hindrances 
cannot be opposed by brute strength, but through the conscious expression of humility, courage, and discrimination. Humility compels the disciple to kneel down and recognize his limits. Courage is needed to attack evil at the very roots of his nature. And discrimination to come up with an intelligent and dispassionate solution to the problem, which involves turning the focus of the mind as high as possible, rather than concentrating on the problem and fighting it, thus making it grow bigger. In order to be defeated, the monster has to be taken out of its natural environment. The tendencies it represents do not have to be suppressed. Rather, they have to be lifted up into the air, namely, transmuted into something else. In classical Greece, Lerna was a marshy region of hot springs in a former lake near the east coast of Greece. This place was thought to be one of the entrances to the underworld, and the ancient Lernaean mysteries sacred to the goddess Demeter were celebrated there. As we said months ago, a peculiar relationship is, is said to exist between Hercules and hot springs, whose vapors were considered to be the sign of an entrance to the world of the dead. One of the most ancient traditions recalls that the main function of Hercules was to face death and win immortality. Interesting ideas emerge as we consider the relationship between Leo and Scorpio. Leo, being the fifth sign of the zodiac, counting from Aries in the direction of the following sign, it's also the eighth sign, counting backwards. It's thus closely connected with Mercury, who is esoterically called the messenger at the eighth gate, alluding to that gate which the process of individualization opened up for mankind. Interesting to note that Hermes or Mercury was considered by the Greeks as psychopomp, literally guide of souls. Psychopomps are deities, gods, entities whose responsibility is to escort newly deceased souls from the earth to the underworld. It will be, it will be no surprise then that in Gemini, ruled exoterically by Mercury, Heracles meets another serpent, Antius or Antaeus, which he also has to lift up into the air to conquer it. We have also said when we dealt with the task in Gemini that this sign is also connected with the land of the dead, just as Scorpio is. Leo is strongly related to Scorpio, whose numbers upon the zodiacal wheel are the same as those of Leo, being five and eight. The dog star Sirius, home to the Great Lodge, is related both to Leo and Scorpio. And the enormous constellation Hydra, the serpent, can be found in the sky 
very close to the constellation Leo. We thus see how the picture of the heavens reflect these truths as outlined by the Tibetan. Both Leo and Scorpio reveal some recurring tests that the disciple encounters. Lions and serpents must be slain again and again, Hercules was told by the teacher of his life, the myth tells us. On each turn of the spiral, age-old challenges assume newer and trickier appearances until a final blow cuts off evil at its root. This must be done as Hercules did both with the lion and the hydra with bare hands, without weapons. As Mabel Collins' inspirational book Through the Gates of Gold suggests, cold silent amid the thousand cries of the senses and then stripped of all weapons, take the deadly serpent of self and kill it is no easy thing. It can only be done in the moment of equilibrium when the enemy is disconcerted by the silence. The sun, the, the sign through which the sun is now passing, Libra, the sign of equilibrium, seems to be the ground on which a first recognition of the path takes place. And the decision to undertake the 12 labors is made. It is at this point that the will is reversed, as it is said. When Heracles, passed through the seventh gate of Libra, its task was to capture the Erymanthian boar. He is seen driving the captured boar by its hind legs, which is a symbolic representation of the soul directing the clumsy body. He rejoiced on the way and everyone laughed at the sight. Humor and laughter were said to be a part of the ancient Eleusinian mysteries. In the story, Hercules is said to misinterpret the command to take time to eat and indulged in a feast, drinking the wine which belonged to the whole community of centaurs. This event led to a battle which ended up with the death of two centaurs. Centaurs are creatures with the upper body of a human in the lower body and legs of a horse, therefore symbols of duality and wisdom. Libra is about measure, balance, and conciliation of duality. In this, in this sense, we can remember that the exoteric ruler of Libra, Venus, is the esoteric ruler of Gemini, the other sign in which duality is faced and integrated. The disciple, as she, he undertakes this task, must choose the way that leads between the two great lines of force, as its keynote reads. The sun on the equinox is a beautiful symbol of equilibrium. And eventually, every disciple will mount the fixed cross of the heavens, reverse the wheel, step on the burning ground of Scorpio, slay the Hydra 
and exclaim, warrior I am, and from the battle, they emerge triumphant. These are the two keynotes with which we will be working during the next full moon periods. Thank you all. Next time we will continue our journey through other gates of the Zodiac. Thank you, Eduardo. Thank you so much. Always so many interesting thoughts and so beautifully illustrated as well. So, so thank you for putting so much time and effort into this. Really appreciate it. Um, I wondered if we could just open it up to the audience since we don't have much. Um, so if anyone would like to share a comment or a question with Eduardo, you can do that by clicking on the reactions icon and we'll unmute your microphone. Or Eduardo, you can read uh, comments or questions that come in through the chat box if you'd like. Just one comment, Kathy, on a subject you brought up during the introduction. Uh, I was thinking that as, as I listened to you, that we tend to concentrate a lot on the path of the sun across the zodiac. And sometimes we forget that each era is also characterized by the polar axis pointing to a definite certain polar star. star. I had this, this idea as you were talking about the constellation Draco, so important for the Chinese astronomical tradition. Yeah. Today, our polar star is Polaris in the Lesser Bear. In Egyptian times, it was Tuban, a star of the constellation yeah. Draco you mentioned today. Yes. So we see how many things are written in the heavens. Yes. And again, in a future date, they say that one of the other stars of Draco will again become whole star. So everything's always shifting in the heavens for sure. But yeah, the, old, the idea of looking at the overshadowing extrazodiacal constellations is certainly probably one of the next steps that more fully developed as esoteric astrology unfolds, um, perhaps through the Tibetans writing or, or people who are active today just pondering it. And so, yeah, they're certainly a lot more powerful, those, those constellations and those stars that work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, someone thanks for the emphasis on transmutation. Yeah, I think that the the work, the task of Scorpio has strongly to do with transmutation. I think it's highly symbolic that Hercules does not use uh, his weapons. He uses his hands, bare hands. Mm -hmm. This, uh, I think it has to do with transmutation. He, he, he lifts the, the whole problem up into the air. Mm -hmm. it's, it has to do with the focus of the mind. You, you transmute that into something else. You, you, you don't uh, fight strongly against something with brute strength and weapons. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes the hands are symbolic of a group, you know, not mm -hmm. doing it alone, but doing it as exactly. fingers of one hand, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the heroes, someone writes here, the myths so full of light, heroes, the mediators, the linking of the above and below through light as the constellation shine the path of return. 
Yeah. It's the role of mediator, really. That's why there's a lot to think about the symbolic relationship of uh, heroes like Hercules uh, and the new group of war servers, the, the act of the role of mediators between two worlds. Yeah, yeah. And we also explain why Hercules was the, the, the most outstanding heroes of all. It's, it was not local, it was universal. It's mm. just as the symbol of a, a world disciple undertaking tasks that clear out lands from dangers. Uh, we called him a cultural hero. And of course, someone uh, mentions the art of alchemy. Yeah, it has to do with alchemy. It's, well, we, we all know that aside from the fact that there might be the power to transmute raw materials into gold, that is a symbol, right? Alchemy itself is a science. Uh, which was taught in universities up to the 18th, 18th century. It was considered a science in the 18th century. And uh, we all know that it is a symbol of the power of inner transmutation. And of course, there's so many things to say about constellations and, and, and the relationship with Ares. Uh, there are so many interesting books about that. Uh, one book I remember, I, it really, it really surprised me was uh, Hamlet's Meal by Giorgio de Santillana and Hertha von Dechent. Uh, it takes all the astronomical myths. When we say that Hercules is a solar myth, so did it, we, we understand why what we call the reversed wheel goes in the order of the zodiac that we know from Aries uh, to Pisces via Taurus, it is the path of the sun and a hero and the disciple are in some way, um, are, well, it has to do with the symbol of the, the, the sun itself. They are solar myths. Their path can be traced uh, astronomically, so to say. What else? Yes, China, uh, astrologers, uh, yeah. Uh, well, China had that constellation Draco in, it, it, they, Chinese astrologers and astronomers considered this constellation as extremely important. Good reminder that the hero or heroine is a successful mediator between the divine and the world. Though I think we could also say that anyone is a hero who heroically attempts to overcome inner and outer obstacles rather than just give up or be complacent. Yeah. 
and St. John's writes, it appears belief religion practices shown by Hercules is being better recognized to be one's own self-discipline rather than one imposed on other. Exactly. Well, you know, the, it, of course we run the risk of imagining the spiritual path as a, a path in which we have to fight monsters with weapons, but you know, it's, uh, we, we must always remember that, that that struggle is a symbol of a path of increasing recognitions. It's about recognitions. That's the path. So it is really subjective. It's, it's a self-imposed, self, uh, so to say, uh, self-guided path. Mm -hmm. It's, it's incredible. It, it, it is as if we were in the path to recognize what and who we really are. So, so and that gives us a very different concept of freedom, isn't it? Do we have time, Kathy? Yeah, a few, a few, a couple minutes. If you have a few more thoughts to share, expression of thanks. Thank you all. Well, there are many interesting subjects on, on, on issues we can deal with next time. Yes, yeah. I said the uh, the cardinal directions are one of them. Mm. You know, it's so difficult to synthesize all the, the what, what is contained within the concept of one constellation when we say, yes. you know, it's... Uh, Especially in 15 minutes, yeah. <laughs> three, three in 15 minutes. That's pretty, you did a, a pretty good job, Edward. Yes, well, okay. I'm sure I'm voicing for everyone great thanks and gratitude for your presentation and your presence with us always so we um, are so grateful and so now everybody if we could just um, close with a brief moment where we'll visualize the planet surrounded by a golden network of triangles and then we'll sound the Thank you, everyone.